Welcome to Nightlight, a horror movie podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside, on my left-hand side here, we got David. Stay spoopy. Stay and spoopy, also known as Nightly. Across from us, we have Freddie, who is a little sickly, so just bear with him. That's okay. Welcome to Nightlight. Also, it works. It works out. It sounds the it same does. as it, it does every week. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Spooky. Spooky. We have tea. We are. Me and Freddie are. Yeah. Freddie and I are drinking tea right now. Peppermint tea. It's very, very delicious. Very holiday spirit. Flames. This is the season. I, I treat everyone with peppermint respect. <laughs> uh, also known as Nighty Night. We are a group of knights with an absolute love for film and a passion for horror. This is a podcast that takes a different horror movie to break down and discuss the ultimate question, why horror? So hit the lights, sit back, and let the darkness envelope you. You can support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife, and that's night with what? K. By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. Now... Our featured film for tonight, because we're still continuing, Carolus Christmas. And our featured film is going to be Black Christmas, but yes. the 1974 version, mainly, with a comparison of the 2006. Oh boy, double feature. <laughs> yeah. Double feature time. Double feature. So we're doing things a little different on the Nightlight um, podcast tonight. Uh, and also, since this episode is out on Friday the 13th. <laughs> Ooh, oh my gosh. So yeah, it is Friday the 13th. And also what's out on December 13th, Friday the 13th, is Black Christmas 2019. So what yeah, a coincidence. What a coincidence. Like Universal Studios did a great, great job of uh, pairing this up with us today. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we we're by ourselves. <laughs> but maybe. Hopefully not. <laughs> but anyway, let's go ahead and talk a little bit more about Black Christmas. Let's talk about both of them first. Okay. Thoughts? Man, I love the 74 version so much better. Yeah, me yes. too. It's just so much more grounded. It keeps you in suspense. It has you actively engaged. Whereas the 2006 version, man, I was annoyed watching the, that movie. Whoa. The whole you were time. annoyed? Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. Mainly the dialogue. The dialogue was so bad. Bad and corny Ugh. and vulgar for no reason. And everyone Ugh. was just fucking mean. And just, just rude to each other. Catty ass, catty ass, catty ass. Yeah. N- not even just like the it girls, like it were... was everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. The boyfriend was a dick. Yeah. Dude, everyone was yes. just, just a fucker in this that's 2006 true. version. It's kind of like they deserved it. Yeah. yeah. And I guess I, I typically feel Fuck like it. that's what the setup is. Like, we're going to have you just hate these characters. So it's fun to watch them die off. Right. Yeah, but, I didn't really care for any of the characters in the 2006, but I did care about the people from the 1974. So. Same. Yeah, me too. And from a movie standpoint, it's definitely the strongest like movie. Yeah, well, the two. with the 1974 um, version of this film or the original version, I just felt like it felt more like a mystery. It's like mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, who done it, right? Exactly. And it it plays with you, obviously. So like, oh, is it this person? Is it this person? But right. Like, it was filmed a lot better than the 2006. 100%. It felt like it was above its time. Yeah. 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 It had like, like even like there the were certain shots. scenes in there where we even see very often now nowadays where we'll have kind of like that that effect where someone's in the background and then yeah. someone's in the foreground, but they don't really blur that person out. They kind of blur the middle so you can see both of them still. Correct. Um, yeah. And that film had that, this 1974 version. I was like, yeah. that's like a crazy effect nowadays. Not and like that. Like, think about 1974. 
I was wondering, like, how did they shoot the POV scenes? Yeah, I thought because about that's that too. hard to do with the fucking camera work that they had in the back there. Exactly, like, it was heavy. Some dude was carrying that shit up yeah. the fucking stairs all around the I attic. Think, I was like, holy shit! I think they must have jerry rigged it. Like they must have had like oh, some they, handheld yeah. camera yeah. set up where it was like duct taped to someone climbing Something. the walls. Yeah, like it, was, it, it had to have been crazy. You like, can see the perspective is very high above a head. One hundred percent. The arms are so far away. Once yeah. you see um, the killer climbing the the vineyards yeah it, it, it it's super interesting too like where you'll have how they did the pov shot twice in 1974 version where it was pov from billy's perspective which was kind of steady mm-hmm. and then pov from jess's perspective which was super shaky because she was scared mm, that's a really good and point. i was like oh that's shit true. like that's a really cool perspective yeah. like this is actually really fascinating uh, but I, I i don't know i i actually really enjoy uh, the 1974 version because it's it's kind of initially that 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 whole not wholesome but that that main slasher formula yeah but without the one that we know now and today I think what caters to it well is the the era we're talking about the 70s here where people would leave I mean I think people still have the notion of like you don't need to lock your doors right yeah, and um, no one's going to cause harm and if something bad happens like it's probably just people overthinking right yeah. and you see that a lot in the 74 film um when they go to the authorities for their missing sorority sisters or mm-hmm. so on and they're like they're probably with their boyfriend or they're probably just like out and didn't come yeah. back home so it's just it, i think that 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 era plays really well for the concept that this movie's throwing out um whereas in the 2006 version i don't know it just it just didn't land the mark for me. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, 2006. See, and this is the thing. Like, if we take both of these generations, right? So in 1970s, we had things going on like uh, the Vietnam War, right? So, like, since the Vietnam War was happening and all of that stuff, like, there's a perspective where it's just like, well, most of these men might not come home. Yeah. And uh, more women are by themselves and That's all true. this whole other stuff. Like it, and it, granted they were in a sorority house, so they'll probably most, more than likely be by themselves, but um, that was more normal back then. And even though the men were still in the picture, it, it still was a little bit of disconnect there. Um, especially with Peter and how weird and creepy he was. Yeah. And he was fantastic, by the way. Like, holy shit, he was great. Um, but how <laughs> weird and creepy Peter was in this whole thing um, in 1974's version. And then you get to 2006, where two years prior, we had Saw. And oh, the, yeah. the, the the whole thing of torture porn is now beginning. And how far can we go and With all those whole other stuff? stuff. Exactly. Sure. So that's why we probably got scenes of like Billy ripping off eyes and yeah. all this whole other stuff. And, and Agnes also ripping off eyes, too, and then eating them and all this whole other oh, shit. Making cookies out of them. Yeah. Making cookies, yeah. Like it was just like the, the cannibalism and how far can we go with this? When you put it in that perspective, I just imagine big execs saying, hey, this stuff's selling. This is a, a a title or an independent property that we could totally use that would fit that category. Mm-hmm. Let's milk some money out of it, and I believe right. they yeah, did sure. make more than double their double the profit from the budget they spent in the two thousand six. Yeah, I'm sure they did. I think I looked it up. Uh, I think it had a budget around nine million, and I think it box wow. office did like twenty one million. I think so. Um, yeah. I think that sounds about right. Um, 
There, let me let me actually bring that up. Uh, yes, so the budget was nine million dollars, and the box office was twenty one point five million for the two thousand six version. Um, but let's go ahead and start jumping into the plot of the nineteen seventy four version. And uh, let me get my notes back up here. Do 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 do, and they're back. Do 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 do. Black Christmas, nineteen seventy four, directed by Bob. Clark, you may know him from movies such as A Christmas Story. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> um, dude, what? Bob Clark made A Christmas Story. That's how I remember him. Which one's A Christmas Story? A Christmas Story is uh, the 1980s you movie. You shoot your eye out, kid. Uh, tongue on the pole. Yeah, tongue on the pole. When they're at the school, he wants the Red Ryder BB gun. And other references, I've never seen it. Okay. Oh, my God. All right. Yeah. Well, it's like the leg lamp in, uh, on the box that says oh, fragile, but he calls it fragile. <laughs> <laughs> All the like popular movies of the decades, I've never seen them. Oh. <laughs> well, A uh, Christmas Story is a hard one to miss. <laughs> and I did. Yep. It's on literally every Christmas for like 24 hours straight. Oh, for sure. Oh, my Easily. gosh. It's oh God, They play that movie way too much. But anyway, Black Christmas. Released on December 20th, 1974. A budget of $620,000 with a box office of $4 million. Wow. So in reality, this movie did better. Yeah. (laughs) Like they didn't even have to touch a mill and it just took off. Like that's awesome. Uh, A runtime of one hour and 38 minutes and a score of 71% on Rotten Tomatoes. Just to put this in another perspective, 2006's version only had 15%. I saw that yeah. right before I started watching it, and I was like, oh, that no. Yep. skewed your perception a little bit. It didn't, though. Oh, wow. I, I'm, You're like, I agree. I actually, no, because this is before I watch it, right? I always ignore Rotten Tomato scores because yeah, a sure. lot of my favorite movies have scores in, like, the double or in the teens. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, hey, Speed Racer, right? Like, Speed Racer did not get a, a good score. Speed Racer is actually pretty awesome. I think um, rewatch it. I think the it's Annabelle. like one of the best anime movies ever. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's Speed Racer. I know exactly what you're talking about. At yeah. first, I was like, "What?" The Wachowskis. But, yeah, I think Annabelle. One of the movies they're like in the teens, and I love them. So. Probably the first one. I think because Annabelle is. Comes Home was actually got a decent score. Yeah. But anyway, we're not talking about any of those movies. So let's go ahead and talk about the opening scene. We uh, actually get an image of the house, and yes. at first, it seems like it's just a still. But then there's motion. We see a person kind of walk through the the frame of the camera here. Then we get the title pop oh, up on the I screen. I love it. Oh, it's it so, looks good. so good. So good. I just love how gothic it looks. It, right? Yeah. It just it, it fits perfectly for what we're kind of getting ourselves into. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of remind me of like an old Christmas postcard. Mm. Yeah. yeah, like That's a really, really yeah. accurate. But yeah. it's, you know, black. Black. black yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but we also hear the song Silent Night playing in the in the background, and uh, a woman is walking towards the house. She opens the door, and you notice the Greek letters next next to the door, Pi Kappa Sigma. So, okay, sorority house. Uh, yeah. They seem to change the sorority each movie, uh, including in the trailer of the new movie. Uh, the It also is changed to a different house as well, but they all keep Kappa. Don't know why. <laughs> uh, Kappa's in there somewhere. She goes into the house, but the camera doesn't follow her in, but watches her from outside the windows. And then you actually get the first person view of a wobbly camera, and you also hear a man breathing and walking. 
Uh, and I even put here, I was like, this is so nostalgic. Like, this oh, is complete sure. 70s horror, for yeah. sure. Like, this is like the it thing. It definitely reminded me of Halloween. Halloween. 100%. I was going to say. 100%. Right off the bat, because I didn't know anything about this movie. I got House of the Devil vibes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The conversation we had shot. before. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how, just looking at the house. Just thinking about, closer. Yeah, thinking about so good. it being the 70s and... People were already thinking about this with camera work, right? It's gnarly. It's great. And then, it, like you said, it delves into a POV shot. Like, you don't realize that at first. Right, yeah. You, so. It doesn't feel like a POV shot until it, it doesn't follow her into the house. Yeah. Right. Like, oh, I was like, fuck, that's actually really good. Yeah, it's really Jesus. smart. Uh, we get a close silhouette of a man's face watching the, one, the women in the living room. We cut to a woman walking down the stairs and asking who left the door open and proceeds to close it. Back to the creepy unseen dude outside walking away from the front of the house. He goes to the side and starts climbing up the trellis on the side of the house. Um, the trellis, by the way, is like that kind of yeah. weaved thing. <laughs> I just found that out. So <laughs> I think I called it vineyard earlier. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know yeah, if that's yeah. correct. Right. It wasn't, but it's okay. Well, I, for it's, me. It took me so long to figure that out. I asked my wife and everything. The ladder like, looking thing that has vines on it. Yes. I was like, about. what is that thing called that's outside houses that like has vines on it? And she's like, oh, <laughs> a I, vine wall? When I, saw vine that, wall? <laughs> when I saw that in the shot were the perspective looks up at it. I'm like, I feel like it's just like a, hey, please come and shoot our house. Pretty much. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. It it, it gave me kind of those vibes of like just those uh, teen comedies back in like the 80s. Oh, like 16 Candles. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Stuff like that. Give me that vibe for sure. Uh, We switch back to, uh, to the house with Barb and her friends having some sort of party. She's speaking to a man and a woman on the couch about about dressing up as Santa for the kids. The phone begins to ring, and Jess picks up the phone extremely loud. Oh, my God. This annoyed I me. I hated the way she answered the phone. <laughs> I literally thought to myself, I hope she dies first. <laughs> <laughs> I hated the way How she answered the phone. How wrong I was. Oh, yes. We were, we were all wrong. Um, this Actually, this was your guys' first time watching the yes. se- 1970s version, right? Both versions for me. Okay, this was like oh, my no. this was like my sixth time watching the seventies version. I've only wow. seen the two thousand and six version once. I've never even heard of the series before. Yeah, really? you said. Well, he said also too that he's never heard of Did most of like uh, the holiday, like holiday yeah. horror films, like because oh, he, right, he's never right. even seen Krampus until yep. last week earlier. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, then I. But here, where am I? It is for Barb. Long distance call, she says. <laughs> Dude outside makes, makes it into the attic through a window, and I put this motherfucker's determined. For Barb sure. is trying to talk on the phone to her mom, but she can't hear, and it's not loud in there. Yeah. So I don't know why she can't hear. Maybe she's like messing around with her mom or something. I don't know. Yeah, it could be the technology, long distance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long probably. distance, yeah, probably. Uh, the camera slowly ascends to the attic where the door hatch begins to open. Back to the POV shot of, the, of this man descending the ladder to get out of the attic. He is slowly walking around the house. A couple is walking towards a door, and I said that maybe this is Claire. Um, because I totally forgot. <laughs> uh, I was like, maybe this is Claire. Uh, is saying goodbye to her boyfriend, Chris. Uh, they share a kiss, and he is off. Uh, Barb finishes her phone call and is walking da- walking back to the party. And I put here a really cool continuous shot of her walking back into the kitchen. And it, this is awesome. They had a lot of these continuous shots in this movie, which yeah. was fantastic. Uh, something that the 2006 version didn't have that much of. Mm-hmm. I was no, very disappointed. A lot of quick cuts. Very quick cuts. Very quick cuts. Uh, she asked the girls if they would like to stay at her, at her mom's cabin to go skiing, 
but uh, she doesn't seem too stoked about it. No one else seemed pretty stoked about it. <laughs> uh, the phone starts to ring again. Jess answers the phone again. <laughs> Jess yells for everyone to be quiet, um, and then she uh, says that it's the moaner on the phone again. Um, he makes these obscene noises on the phone while all while all of the uh, women are listening around her. This like really caught my attention here. Like I think the camera work and the direction of the shot, it kind of zooms into each girl's face and slowly pans. Love yes. it. Yes, and uh, I love it. You feel a lot of sexual tension here. Yeah, at least I I think so. Like I'm, it's extremely vulgar. Yeah, and I guess because it's the seventies, right? Like it's like maybe being attracted to the unknown, or like how can someone be so vulgar or loud, and let alone on the phone? People just don't do that. But to me, it sounded creepy and really weird, and like it's really taking the initiative to show the close-ups of their lips trembling. Yeah, some of them biting their lips. Right, Um, and I'm like. This is a weird sexual tension. And even before that, <laughs> I think uh, Barb on the phone was like calling her mom a whore or something because yeah. like, she's like going out with some random dude. And it's like there's a lot of sexual tension or sexual themes already within like 100%. the first opening shot. Yeah. And and these women are pretty attractive for the seventies, right? Oh. Like, like they they're they're beautiful. Um and it it, it 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 kind of makes you think like okay, but we saw that most of them had boyfriends because most of their boyfriends seem to have been present, um, and by most of them I'm just like two or three. <laughs> but yeah. well, even so, like I felt like um, Jess and the other girl with the curly hair and glasses—I forgot her Phil. name. Phil. Phil. I I thought there was sexual attention there too. Yeah, they seemed attracted to each other. Yeah, and <laughs> even with the body language, I think yeah. at one point Jess is against the wall. Phil has her arm up, like leaning towards her, but like nothing. You you never see anything between no, them. But no, no, no. It's but this but it, weird it, it feels oh, like yeah, there's something sure. going yeah. on for sure. And you see that really early on too. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now this is something that the 2006 version does quite opposite, right? I mean, all the all the women are all sitting around, and obviously they have better technology at this point in yeah, time, right? On their phones. So they uh, turn on speakerphone when when the voices come on, so everyone can technically hear Correct. and sit comfortably somewhere else. And they have caller ID, right? And they have caller ID and Star sixty nine and all this other stuff, yeah, right? Um, e- even though it still sounds like shit, we wouldn't use to this day. Yeah. Um, but it's things like that that kind of make the 1970s version even scarier because the whole concept of it's the sounds the calls coming from inside the house or whatever like that's a lot scarier in the 1970s oh for sure like it's just like in the 2000s it's just like like uh, I don't know. Like it just doesn't feel as as threatening. Threatening, yeah. Well, I think what sets up that vibe probably is that you can tell that the women in the seventies version are very nervous. They even bring up um, um, rape stories that happened that oh, they yeah. were talking about, right? Yeah. And they're like, "This is don't some- agitate this person." Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. And I think in the seventies, that's something a conversation that was not spoken to as much as you know it had been for the next couple of decades after that. Um, but I think in the 06 version, the women in the sorority house, they're very, they they seem like they think they're invincible, like nothing's going to happen to them. And even if they hear that creepy phone call, they're like, it's just some creep. 
Like, yeah. what's going to happen? Right. Nothing's going to happen to us. Yeah. And it's a, a little bit more exposed to that yeah, kind of stuff. In exactly. The yeah, exactly. 2006. Uh, he is also saying, and I quote, let me lick your pretty face, cunt. End <laughs> <laughs> uh, quote. All the women's faces are in absolute shock at this point when he says this. And uh, this just, and I put here, this just works really well uh, with the, that, that slow pan on the shots as we were talking about earlier. Uh, Barb is the only one who seems to be amused by all of this. Uh, she takes the phone from Jess and antagonizes the man on the other end. Um, and he says even more sexual words towards her, and she insults him back. He ends, he ends the call, but not before saying, I'm going to kill you. And then hangs up. And hangs yeah. up. Some of the girls are impressed by her, but Claire didn't agree with her methods. Claire says, and by the way, just a counteract on the thing that was claire kissing her boyfriend uh, <laughs> uh claire says that that she is going to go finish packing and heads upstairs mrs mack is outside of the house with a cool green hat cigarette in her mouth and presents in her hand she is so badass dude i love <laughs> mrs mack uh and um she is handing out presents to all to all the girls the girls um Pull her into the living room because they also have a surprise for her and the present. We are back upstairs with Claire while she is packing up for her trip. She goes inside the closet to grab some clothes and I was like hangers and all. <laughs> she just literally took all of it off the, the clothing rack. I was like, okay. Uh, we get a little glimpse of someone hiding behind the plastic tarp. Claire hears something and, and asks who is behind there while slowly inching closer and closer. She finally gets close enough for him to make his strike on her. He throws a plastic bag over her head and starts to suffocate her. Now, this is something that I am kind of glad that they kept going in the 2006 version. The opening scene. Yeah, like but the, the only kill. thing is just like the stabbing. God, just yeah, suffocate him. Yeah. Like, I, the stabbing was unnecessary. The suffocation seemed a lot scarier. Yeah. Oh, Probably because sure. it lasted longer. I think, I think it's all about what you brought up earlier about torture porn being hot. Right. Right. And I... Going back to the seventy four version, man, I thought this was done so well. Oh, it was perfect. I mean, like it was perfect. There have been moments when I was a kid when like you would hide or whatever, play hide and seek and stuff. And I remember hiding in like obvious places, but like being absolutely still because it's like no one would think that someone would hide like behind a curtain or underneath a blanket. But if you stay still enough and you like I think it pulled it off so well in this point because he's literally just behind a clear plastic watch. Yeah. And you could see it, but it's more so of still obscure. Yeah. It's and that person thinking there isn't anyone there, but I'm suspicious, but like they don't have their guard up. They're just kind of curious. And that's when he strikes. Yeah. 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 And this is something that continues in the 2006 version, right? Uh, We we get the same person, same, well, not same person, but we get the same name, Claire upstairs. First one to die. Uh, Well, sort of. Um, but he's also hi- hiding in the closet, or Agnes was hiding in the closet at that time. No Billy didn't build make it up, to- though. No build up, no, yeah, zero exactly. build up, zero build up. It, it this was, just happened. Yeah. We, we just we we hear we see her on the on the phone call with the boyfriend of the other girl, um, who I'm blanking on her name right now. Um, Megan, is it Megan? Maybe they all look the same. They look. They all look alike. <laughs> um, six in 2006, 2006 version. I thought like majority of the girls, at least. A lot all of the blonde girls. The We're all Megan. <laughs> all the brunettes look like each other, and all Megan, the blondes look like Heather, each other. Kelly, Claire, Claire, Mrs. Mac. 
Smack. But yeah, going on that, like I feel like they missed the opportunity to build that suspense in the 100%. 06 version. Like oh, that yeah. was such a great scene, and they just kind of sped they by did, it. Yeah, they're they're just, like, it just happened. Yeah, they're yeah. like, this is Black Christmas. This is a iconic scene. Yeah. We're throwing it in there because it was like the in the old movie. In there because they're like, how can we up it? Yeah, like, probably. How can we add one more tension? Yeah, nah, I don't know. Uh, this this is why I'm super excited for the one that's released today. Um, mainly because of the fact that it's PG thirteen. Okay. So since it's PG thirteen, like they're probably going to take a lot of notes from the previous one, uh, with obviously more modern, uh, not previous one, excuse me, the nineteen seventies version, yeah. w- which is with a more modern take. But we cut back downstairs to continue to con- excuse me. We cut back downstairs to continue the screams of Claire to all the women downstairs to- with Mrs. Mac showing off the presents that they all got her. I love this. How yeah. they kind of like are all screaming. Like they, they did this a few times in this movie and it fucking there works, was dude. Really good, like sound transition. Damn it. Yeah, right? Cuts. Like, holy time together. Shit. So they, well. they, this was perfect. And it gives a good, like, understanding of why no one can hear what's happening. Correct. Right. It's, it's done really That's why well. It's done Caroline so well. scene is like one of my favorite oh, scenes. Yeah. But oh, we'll yeah, get to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get yeah. to that. Uh, they give her a pretty ugly dress and they ask her to put it on and she humors them in. And does so. Yeah. Uh, so this is this is a great callback from the 2006 version to me personally to the 1970s version with Mrs. Mac. Also, they, they got her they got her dress. the skimpy dress yeah. instead of the oh, ugly dress. Oh, does it come dress. with a man? That exactly. Can wear this too. I think it was a nightgown on both of them. I think and so. You can see the transition because I yeah. think in the 74 one, it's a long, it's a long ugly nightgown. green ugly floral nightgown. And the 06 one, it's lingerie. Exactly. Yeah. Um, fun fact as well. Uh, Phil, played in the 1970s version, is also Mrs. Mac in the 2006 version. What? <laughs> knew it. Yep. Didn't so exactly uh, she like... stayed with the campus. <laughs> um, we are back upstairs, and we can see the shadow of the man. He heads back into the attic, and now the real games begin. Uh, this is where all the antagonizing starts to happen, right? Mrs. Mac is looking for a book that has some hidden booze inside of it. <laughs> I love how she does this constantly throughout the film. It's, just <laughs> it's, just it's, it's so com- comedic. Um, and I put here, I was like, I don't know why she's hiding it, though. There is a ton of alcohol in there. Maybe she's not supposed to drink in front of them. I think, yeah, I think it's because she is like the dorm mother and it's right. the 70s. And- yeah, maybe she's not supposed to drink for them. Yeah. Uh, Je- Jess comes back back into the room. Mrs. Max says the girls are too good to her. Uh, the phone begins to ring again. Phil is going to pick it up this time around. Um, and it's actually for Jess. So we get Jess back on the phone. <laughs> Potentially a boyfriend, Peter. She wants to talk to him face to face. She says that... Uh, she will see him around two tomorrow. He says that he loves her, but she responds with, I know. And I was like, bro, she got something big for you, dog. <laughs> uh, we cut to Mrs. Mac hilariously brushing her teeth in the bathroom. She opens up the mirror on both sides looking for something important, quote unquote. Uh, she opens up the toilet bowl and lo and behold, more booze. <laughs> and I was like, go ahead, Mrs. Mac, enjoy your life. <laughs> Jess goes upstairs. She knocks on Claire's door and calls to her, but no answer. We cut to Claire in a rocking chair with a plastic bag wrapped around her head. And I put, how is this chair still rocking? 
We'll find out later. <laughs> Spooky. Spooky. Uh, we slowly transition to a cathedral. Pan down to see an older man with glasses pacing back and forth. Some kids chuck a snowball at his face and his glasses fly right off. A younger man helps him ba- helps him pick up his glasses and apologizes for the kids. Um, the man rudely responds back, which is like, yeah, like you're, you need to control him. He's like, I said sorry. Like, What else do you want me to do? It already happened. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> I feel It's so funny because I, I don't see the point of this scene other than telling that's true. At him. Right. No, yeah. no, no. Like the uh, obviously, like it, the, there's no point to that scene. Yeah. Like, there's it, a lot of comedic yeah. Yeah, it, scenes it, in this movie. Yeah, which, which the I 2006 version it. did not have. No, no. It was it like didn't. zero comedic it relief. Needed it. it needed it. It needed bad. it bad. Um, he begins to ask the man uh, if he knows his daughter Claire. So this is where we find out that this is actually Claire's dad, Mister Harrison. Uh, she was supposed to meet him. She was supposed to meet him there at one p.m. In the 2006 version, she was actually supposed to meet her sister at two p.m. <laughs> uh, luckily, this dude kn- uh, knows who she is. He is part of her brother fraternity. He tells Mister Harrison where where the where her place actually is. Uh, we are with the homeboy with the, those dope ass. Um, Causal glasses, like, dude, those glasses are so thick. sick. Yeah. They're thick as fuck, and they're they're fly as <laughs> shit. And I was like, bro, those Kazal glasses are baller. Um, dressed up as Santa, cussing up a storm in front of the kids. He's like, he does not give a shit. Yeah. I was I was shocked. No one cared. No one cared. No one cared. I think the kids loved it. Barbara's like sipping drinks to a kid too. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, like, it's so great. What? It's so great. Like, what we we get to on? that a little bit later, but yes, it's awesome. Um, and I put here that he's upset that Phil is not going away with him. So this is Phil's boyfriend. I don't remember his name. Um, I don't think he, I don't think they ever said it. Yeah, I don't think not said. too yeah. important of a character. Yeah, because uh, he was. Def- I think this is its last scene that yeah, he was in the right, movie. Yeah. Um, he is upset that Phil is not going away with him for the weekend. Mrs. Mack is speaking with uh, Mr. Harrison about not seeing Claire. We get some really cool images of what pictures are actually covering the walls, and you kind of see a whole bunch of kind of risque pictures and things right. like that. <laughs> yeah, bodies. more sexual tension. One hundred percent. Mr. Harrison is not happy of the environment that his daughter is living in. Mrs. Mack is trying to hide one of the pictures on the wall of people having sex in the shape of a peace sign. Uh, she tells him that Claire is probably at her brother, at their brother frat house. She says that she can show him, show him where that is since she has to go to the store in that area anyway. Mr. Harrison already knows knows where this place is and offers her t- for her offers a ride to for, to her instead. Yeah. Mrs. Mack ac- accepts the extended offer and starts getting ready in the bathroom. A couple of more swigs of, out of that bottle while she's, she's talking shit on the encounter with Mr. Harrison. Got a problem, I love girl. this shit. I love this shit. Uh, she stops because she hears her cat clawed. Um, she goes out of the bathroom calling for, for his name, but drops some things out uh, drops some things out of her purse on her stairs and blames it on the cat. And I was like, <laughs> like, look what you made me do. Yeah. God damn it. I was like, well, leave that cat alone. While she is picking up her stuff, she is calling slash cussing her cat's name. Mr. Harrison hilariously slowly walks up the stairs and looks <laughs> at her while she's yelling all these slurs towards her cat. He kind of walks away slowly, and she She's just like flips him off. off. Yeah. <laughs> Love Such it. A good scene. Love it. Mrs. Mrs. Mac is amazing in this. Um, we see the camera pan uh, pointed downward like someone is watching them getting to the car from the attic. And then I put here, nope. We actually see that it's Claire's now decaying body still there in this the window. was a cool. This is the first time we see it, right? This is a f- sort of. This is the second, second time, time you see her. Yeah. Well, I think the the reveal of it just being like, yep, it's Claire's just gonna be chilling Posted there. up in yeah. the window. And 
in front of everyone to see, but no one's going to notice. Yep. Because this is the That's first crazy. time we see her at the, see where she is. Yeah. Because before you just see her rocking in a chair. Exactly. Um, but now you see like she's rocking in the chair. She's in a in rocking the chair in the attic facing the window. Right. Where someone can technically see her. It's so twisted. Oh. But it's, again, really impressive for a horror movie. 100%. Oh, for sure. Uh, we cut to Jess with Peter, and they are talking about some real serious shit at this point in time. Um, she... Let's him know that she's pregnant and she's actually planning on aborting the baby. Peter is not happy at all about about her making this decision without his consent. And I put here, it is her fucking body, you asshole. Like, True. leave her out of, like, come on. You need to take yourself out of this. Dude, at this point, I was like, dude, she's in love with that other girl. That's what it is. Uh, what? what? Shit, what that? <laughs> <laughs> he actually wants her to have the baby. Jess says to Peter that she has thought about this uh, pretty long and hard and her mind is made up. Peter proceeds to ask her, um, quote, do you know how important today is for me? Jess, yes. Then he tells her to leave. And I was like, God, you're a fucking dick. Dude, he, yeah. he, calls her, he calls her before she walks out and says that he would like to talk to her tonight. Jess says that there's nothing to talk about, but Peter is persistent. And I put a little fucker. <laughs> yeah. uh, at the frat house. Um, we're at the frat house and Mr. Harrison is on the phone speaking with his wife about not being able to find Claire. We see Barb in the background drinking while a kid is right next to her. She gives the kid a couple of sips of her own alcohol. Oh, man. And I was like, man, this chick is wild. Great. <laughs> he hangs up the phone. We see Jess coming down the stairs. The phone starts to ring. Um, and once again, she answers it. I really, <laughs> I really hate her answering the phone. <laughs> Nobody responds until she says, not again. Uh, she thinks because she's like constantly saying hello over and over and over, yeah. yelling it, yelling it, and not even giving the person a chance to say hello back. Yeah. God damn it! Like, <laughs> um, she thinks it's the guy from before. There's someone on the other line that says Billy multiple times and is also changing their voice as well. This is so well done. At oh, this for point, sure, it's so well done that for a long time I thought it was just multiple people on the other side Same. of the phone. Yeah, like in this. Is actually probably the scariest thing in this movie. Oh, for yeah, sure. because I was, I like think all the phone calls, like, yeah, everything they it, say, it, what you're hearing, like, ugh, it made me like so uncomfortable. Pain. Yeah, like you, like, you hear someone sound like getting tortured and like someone crying. Then you yeah. hear a female. And then you switch hear a crazy deep voice of a male switch. Like it is so crazy. jarring. It is. It. it uh, yeah. Oh, it, it's it did not such make me feel a good. Yeah. Um, so I put here, then the voice changes to a gurgling man. Jess is consistently saying that they have the wrong number. The voice is going back and forth from a man to a woman. This is, and I put here, this is actually really intense phone interaction. Jess is spooked by this call and hangs up the phone. We cut to the police station where Phil, Barb, and Mr. Harrison are trying to let the officer know that Claire is missing. They are all talking over each other. The officer tells them to speak at them um, one at a time. Barb is, and I was like, Barb, but Barb is a straight up G. She ain't taking no shit from nobody, not even this cop, drinking and smoking inside the, <laughs> inside the station. Badass. Back to the house. Uh, Mrs. Mack is trying to get in, into the house and just opens the door to help her with her groceries. Mrs. Mack is in the closet looking for more alcohol, but she is letting Jess know that Mr. Harrison um, was around the house today. Jess is a little disappointed that she was not able to say goodbye to Claire because she thought that Mr. Harrison came to pick Claire up. But Mrs. Mack let her know that he actually couldn't find her, and that's why he was here. Um, at the police station, the officer is asking Barb what, what the number of the sorority house is. And I said, Barb is a fucking G for messing with him because <laughs> she starts the number by saying, 
Uh, it's fellatio two zero eight eight zero. It's pretty funny. Like he did not know what a fellatio no. was. Like he's like he's like, how do you spell it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like, it's F-E. a it's a new connection or something like that. New extension. I new think. extension. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was like, she's rad. Jess goes to Claire's boyfriend, uh, Chris. Uh, so that was Chris, actually. Sorry. Uh, during the, his hockey practice, um, she is asking if he has seen her lately. Jess is giving him the 411 on what's actually going on uh, with Claire and that she's missing. And I put here, back with Dickhead, Peter, auditioning with some terrible piano playing. Yeah, this right. was uncomfortable. It was so bad. God, it was, it was so bad. sweaty. Like, oh, my God. Um, I, put, I put here, I swear John Saxon plays a... F- oh, wait, excuse me. Uh, uh, there's a lady talking to Lieutenant... F- we go. We switch back. Sorry, we switch back to the police station. There's a lady talking to uh, Lieutenant F- uh, Fuller about some kid, and I put here. I swear, John Saxon plays a fucking cop in everything. To put it in, in perspective, John Saxon is uh, the dad slash cop in Nightmare on Elm Street. That's where he was from. I was like, I know where this guy is from. Yup. So that's him. Um, and then I put here. Because he, like, completely, like, goes up and walks towards them while they're talking about Claire. Yeah. Um, and I put here, but we don't. We obviously don't care about what this lady is saying. We only care about Claire. Uh, Chris bursts into the police station, confronting the officer about Claire. Lieutenant Fuller hears them stomping in about Claire, but intervenes. He tells them to come in so they can can talk, but not before Chris gets to disrespect the officer. Gets to disrespect the other officer that he first talked to, um, and then I put here, oh, what it must be to, to be white. Right. <laughs> uh, in the sorority home, Mister Harrison is finishing up dinner from from Mrs. Mack. Um, he wants to rightfully rightfully search for his missing daughter. Barb's drunk ass starts talking about turtles and having sex for three days. <laughs> yeah, That's so crazy. I, I, I guess I didn't realize. All the comedic relief in this. It's so that much comedic so good. Relief. It's yeah. and it's it's perfect. It's like spot on. It's legit funny too. More yeah. sexual attention. Yeah, oh, exactly. For sure. Yeah, one hundred percent. She's like, I even went to the zoo and watched. She, oh yeah. Three yeah. Days. She was like three days. I can't even get three minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Talks about the zebras. Yeah. And like everyone's like completely like Mrs. Mac probably honestly thinks it's kind of funny. Yeah. But yeah. no, Phil she's thinks it's so funny. Yeah. Phil's like completely amused by this. Um. And Mr. Harrison's just like, oh my fucking god. <laughs> Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Barb sits on the couch and believes that everyone thinks that it's her, it's her fault that Claire is missing or worse. And I put definitely worse. Phil tells uh, Phil tells her to go to her room since she is yelling and drunk. Peter's Peter's wacko ass is destroying his piano be- because he sucks. <laughs> um, Jess and Chris are back in the house. Mrs. Mac asks if. If there is any news, they both ask where where is Mr. Harrison. They are all chatting in the dining room, but once again, we get that shot from outside the window um, like they are being watched. They all grab their, co- their coats and scarves to then head outside. Um, Mrs. Mack shares with Phil that she is going to her sister's house for the holidays and she won't be back. Uh, she won't be there when they get back. And I put here, we all know what's probably going to happen next. Oh, man. Out in the cold, Lieutenant Fuller, Fuller is uh, created a search party for the missing child from earlier. Back outside of the, on the house, we see Peter's creepy ass outside. <laughs> Fuck, he's weird. Uh, Mrs. Mack is inside singing her heart out, packing, and um, singing... Uh, singing to, oh wait, excuse me, I put that twice. My bad. Uh, 
uh, trying to head out to her sisters. We cut quickly to the attic where Claire's body uh, resides. Claude, Claude the cat is taking a few licks of the corpse at this point in time. Oh, Claude. <laughs> oh, Claude. That's silly fucking rascal. Um, and then the cabs are here for Mrs. Mac honking their horn outside. Poor Mac. God, man, the 70s. <laughs> uh, she hears Claude upstairs and starts calling for him. A creaking noise sounds from above coming closer to the attic. Mrs. Mac moves slowly towards the attic ladder. We still hear the faint sound of the horn outside. Uh, Mrs. Mac responds that I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming. Don't get your panties in a bunch. Um, Mac opens, uh, Mrs. Mac opens the door, opens the attic hatch. She scratches and rips her pantyhose on, on something. I don't know what she did. They didn't show us. Uh, <laughs> while she looks down, we get this awesome shot of someone holding a hook behind her, just waiting for the right moment to strike. Right. Fuck. Uh, she looks back up, call, uh, calling for Claude. While scanning the room, she finally notices Claire's body next to the attic window. She's about to freak out, but she hears a noise behind her, and she looks, and the man with the hook uh, lets it, lets go. Mails crazy. Dude. Dude. So this this was a crazy kill scene for this time, time is too. awesome. And it's, it's awesome because we don't actually see anything. Yeah. No. We don't see it happen. But we you just know see her legs go exactly, up. and like we know how up. brutal that is. Like, fuck. I think what, such a good scene. I think what plays well to it too is she was so close to being free from all of this. One hundred percent. And right. one decision, she would have ignored that stupid cat. Find <laughs> the cat when she's gonna leave in like two seconds, anyways. That was her doom. Fucking Claude. That was it. Fucking Claude. It was fucked up, but damn. That was that was awesome. Really cool transition oh, on this next cut in the scene. So good. Mrs. Mac is screaming, but then uh, pulled up into the attic, and we see her feet dangling while she's being pulled up. Now, but here, this looks great. Uh, we don't have to see the gore to know how brutal the scene actually is. True. Cut to the taxi man yelling to see if anybody is in the house, masking the screams of Mrs. Mac. Really good transition. Yeah. It, it so cuts fantastic. to the uh, doorbell view or kind of doorbell glass view. Right. Um, it's like a two-door way. It yeah. Because like. yeah. Yeah. Um, it cuts from her screaming to the driver screaming, hey. Yeah. Where, where are it's you? It's so good. Yeah. And so it, good. It's, it's, man, for the 70s too, it's like, I'm just really impressed. It's perfect. Oh, for sure. It's perfect. We're upstairs in the attic looking down at the taxi man from the window. As soon as he leaves, our killer flips the fuck out right holy crap he's like throwing things he's like again yeah like he's like he pushes claire's dead body it's just like it's nuts um i didn't get that at first but i guess it's because it's just showing how, how unstable, unstable oh for sure yeah. yeah um that it's not like all better. planned and deliberate it's just this right. dude is straight up crazy he's and just I, nuts yeah. and while we're talking i had to look it up too they used a camera called the panavision r200 this motherfucker is huge really it's humongous it's film and seeing that POV scene and having him like smack everything, it's like Perfect. crazy to think about. Oh, that's awesome. Holy that's crap. That's crazy. Uh, we are uh, upstairs in the attic looking down at the taxi man, uh, but a quick cut to the search party, and they are all they're all, all cold, bundling up by a pit of fire. Um, but we cut very quickly back to show the body count so far, and we see Claire and Mrs. Mack with a hook in her face. This is the first time we get to see the damage is done. Excuse me. Um, we hear someone screaming, but it sounds it 
sounds like it's coming from outside. Cut back to the search party where she where we see um, who the person is that's actually screaming. The lady who was looking for her missing child starts screaming. If that is her kid, Janice, everybody starts to run to the location and they are definitely and they have definitely found something. Um, but our imaginations are what we can use on this scene because we don't see what it is. This was during a time where uh, it was a pretty pretty blasphemous to show children dead in horror films. Oh, uh, sure. Teenagers were very popular at this point in time uh, to be shown dead, uh, but the Italians uh, actually showed it all the time and went qu- quite there during this time. Uh, and this is where you had giallo films really taking the the helm at this point in time uh, that will show like dead children and things like that. Um, as the decade progressed, that's when we started getting more and more into revenge and rape and all that stuff in horror mm. films. We got things like I Spit on Your Grave, The Last House on the Left, um, sure. and uh, so on and so forth. But um, I, uh, the audio cuts to the mother screaming and fill, out, and fill it with a phone ringing yet again. And I put here, the transitions are just too so good. good in this really, movie. Really They're good. too good for their own good, for their own like well-being. This yeah. is great. For this time period. It's, it's perfect. It's it makes perfect. it memorable. It makes the film memorable. 100%. Um, Jess conveniently gets home to answer the phone. <laughs> the screeching and the cackling from Billy is on the other end. Uh, and I put here, this is still really scary. Like, this is still uh-huh. very jarring. And it's just imagine getting a phone call of someone you don't know crying on the other end. Like, that's creepy. It's so weird. Yeah. It Again, like we brought up earlier, it just... That was, like, the only thing in the movie that really scared me. Same. And, like, yeah. I, again, like, I feel like I have a really high tolerance, but, like, I don't know. It's more so scared, but it's just, like, I feel like someone's watching me or I feel uncomfortable. Right. And it's so unpredictable of, like, what's going on on the phone. Yeah. It's just saying a bunch of random things. Yeah. You can hear yeah. yelling. You can hear screaming. You hear yeah, crying. You hear, crying. You hear different like, voices. It's so, it's it's so all over the place. Awkward. It's and, crazy. Well, not awkward, but it's so out of, like... Reality, it's so yeah, that, yeah. It's, it's not. It's norm. out of reality. It's gonna, so weird. Yeah, I was gonna bring up. I got uh, clearly it's not a paranormal movie, but I got demonic vibes from it. Like sure. I just think about oh, yeah. films where I hear a demonic just speaking gibberish, and I don't know what it's saying, but it's making me scared. And I got the yeah. same this vibe. This is a person calling you, right? Doing this, Ooh, yeah, yeah. It's it's, it's a pretty it's a pretty scary thought. Jess hangs up the phone and calls for Mrs. Mac. She takes her jacket off and goes back to the phone to make a phone call. Um, we see a man slowly descending the stairs to Jess. This part actually kind of got to me. It yeah, always gets to me every time scary. I watch it. And I'm just like, I was like, ooh, that's a pretty good shot. Like, because you you saw the shadow at first, and mm-hmm. then you so, slowly start to see his feet come into uh, the scene. And I was like, lo and behold, it's fucking Peter. Creepy shithead. Uh, Jess explains that she was looking for Claire with a search party while on the phone. She is letting the policeman know about the calls. Uh, She's also talking to Peter at the same time, right? She's, like, kind of bouncing back and forth from the phone call. And Peter, um, it is the same cop dude from before who was um, over this whole town at this point. Uh, Mr. Harrison, Chris, and Phil overhear the conversation. They walk over to the policeman while he is on the phone. Uh, Cut back to Jess and Peter. She shares with him that a little girl was murdered in the park that was found. Um, Peter lets her know that he is quitting the 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 conservatory. And that he wants to marry her. Jess is pretty much a boss ass bitch <laughs> and is not giving up on her dreams. She tells him no and that she doesn't want to give up on her dreams. But if he wants to give up on his dreams, go for it. Um, she uh, lets him know that she doesn't want to marry him 
And then he continues to ask, okay, well, what about the baby? Back to the police station we go. Mr. Harrison lets the lieutenant know uh, about the obscene phone calls that the sorority house has keeps getting. Mr. Harrison um, and the rest of the uh, group dip out. But we are not done with Lieutenant, with lieutenant Fuller yet. Um, all while the... All while the other officer is cracking his ass up um, over this whole thing, Peter Peter and Jess are arguing over the baby and poten- potentially aborting it. She asks him to leave. While he is walking out of the house, he runs into Lieutenant Fuller and uh, some guy named Graham and Phil. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um, Fuller knows something is off with this weirdo, <laughs> even though he is mad and he stormed off. He still knows something wasn't quite right by the previous interaction. Um, Phil goes to get Jess so she can talk to the two lieutenants or excuse me, just one lieutenant. I, I thought it was two lieutenants at the time. Uh, uh, she could talk to the lieutenant and also Graham about the phone calls that they kept getting. They want to put the phone. They want to put a tap on the phone so they can try to trace the call. Fuller wants to see uh, Claire's room. Graham stays behind to tap the phone. Fuller is asking multiple questions about what happened last night. Jess says that she is the last person to see her. Graham gives them instructions on uh, the phone tapping situation. Fuller lets them know that there is a cop car outside if they need anything. Now, here's the thing about most slasher films that we probably see. <laughs> yeah, the cop car outside. Cop car outside. It, it, it's safer with a cop until it's not. Right? For sure. This is the movie that started that. Really? <laughs> yeah. This is the movie that started that whole thing where, like, a cop car's outside. Don't worry about it. If we see someone coming, we'll see them coming. Exactly. Yeah. Damn. Fuck it. This movie's ahead of its time, dude. Yeah. Really Seriously. Is. I mean, it, it started really trends. Is. Yeah, it, it really is. It started many of them. Uh, Fuller and Graham, um, yeah, Fuller and Graham actually leave at this point in time, but there's creepy-ass Peter standing behind a tree. God, I hate him. Uh, I did not get why he was doing <laughs> saw, that. Yeah. yeah. Fair. And I really thought it was for the movie to tell you, like, this is the killer, right? Exactly. At this point, I thought it was going to be two people. Well, well, I thought it was going to be like that's interesting the killer because in two thousand six, I was like, "There's two people." Like before yeah. the reveal, um, but within the seventy four version, I felt like the movie at this point was really uh, dictating that like Peter's the killer. And mm-hmm. at first, I was like, "Are they just making it too obvious to f- to like fool people?" Yeah. Or well, this is where like I was getting like thoughts about the movie Scream. Yeah, where they were like scream. trying to point oh it to God. the boyfriend, and they're like, "Oh we'll no, the boyfriend's that. innocent, and there's another killer." But it's actually both of them. I was like, yeah. "Is this where they got it from?" Oh. So Maybe. I, was like, I mean, shit. Wes Craven was making films in the seventies too, so yeah, it's quite possible that he he probably took some ties from Bob Clark. Um, but it's this whole like thing here with um, 
the whole concept of Peter being Billy or anything like that. I, I think it's very intentional, right? Oh, like, yeah. it's obvious that Peter is completely unstable, and it was probably a toxic toxic relationship to begin with. Um, man, nineteen seventy four, but it it's obvious that it was a toxic relationship to begin with, um, and that they both did not need to be with each other for sure. But um, I do think that Peter was unstable enough to kill someone. Yeah. I mean, I I think that's why they showed it. He was clearly unstable. And yeah, clearly he had his own issues that were going on in the film that made him suspicious. But I I, I felt like the movie was making it so obvious for him to be Billy that it was basically saying to me, we're not trying to trick you. We're trying to really tell you it's it's him. Like it's so obvious, like, come on. Right. And I was like, oh, maybe I'm overthinking it. And like, cause well, it's they just show him being weird, and then him breaking the piano shows that he's violent. Yeah, exactly. And way. that was the the point where I was like, oh, he is violent. Like, you know, something exactly. like that would happen. Um, Poor back people. inside the house, Phil is crying on Jess because she feels that Claire is dead. <clears throat> Excuse me. Phil is tired because of her medicine. She goes up to bed. Um, Jess is now all alone downstairs. Graham is inside in, is inside the phone company and uh, reiterates that they need to keep this man on the phone as long as possible. We cut back to the attic where Claire is laid to rest, rocking in the chair at this time. We hear uh, we hear breathing and slight murmured talking um, a slight murmur talking while rocking the chair back and forth. Downstairs again, we uh, with Jess waiting for a call. The man in the attic is coming is now coming out to play once again. Uh, Jess is looking. Uh, excuse me. Jess is looking because she can hear faint footsteps upstairs. The man is walking into Barb's room, and we get this awesome shot of a unicorn-shaped crystal. Uh, you get this unicorn-shaped crystal a couple of times. Yeah. We also get it in the 2006 version. Yeah, as a gift. <laughs> as a gift. <laughs> exactly. Fucking Eve. Uh, yep. <laughs> so we get it as a gift, and we also get it as a uh, as a kill, um, in 2006 as well. Brutal kill in 2006. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah, all of it was. Yeah, all, it's just calm down. Overdone. <laughs> calm down. Um, uh, downstairs, Jess hears gasping from upstairs. It is Barb having an asthma attack in her room. I don't know if you guys have asthma. Yeah. But, oh my God. This is this is real shit. Like, if you oh, have, sure. like, nightmares and, and yeah. stuff like that, like, you'll typically kind of wake up in a panic, right? So that panic is just, it, it can bring up Fritz. I used to, have, well, I still have asthma, but when I had my asthma back when I was younger and I would have, uh, I wouldn't have nightmares, but I would have night terrors. You guys know that, the, mm-hmm. like the differences? Difference, yeah. yeah. Um, so it, w- it would kind of be like very vivid for me, which will cause me to have an asthma attack. Damn. Um, so this scene honestly scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so I, I saw this in a different perspective and like, I think um, it was an asthma attack. Right. And contrasting both the 74 version and the 2006 version. Um, clearly I, I feel like I do this a lot in films and within the show. Like I mm-hmm. bring up a lot of like sexual tension or like ties to sexuality here. And with Billy being on the phone, being very vulgar with like sexual language, uh, and I feel like it's he like he thought she was being touched. I thought like he was putting his dick down her throat. Oh no! Straight yeah. up to the point where she she, she, she was choking, choking, right? And then she wakes and probably initiates an asthma attack, right? right? But she's 
Barb's up there because she's so fucking wasted that she's like blacked out. Exactly. So that's right. very much possible because I'm sure anyone will wake up with a dick being forced down their mouth. Right. Yeah. Hopefully. But if you're blacked out. <laughs> now, in contrast to the 2006, <laughs> or, you okay, Freddie? Okay. In contrast to the 2006 version, the version of Barb in 2006 also blacked out, drunk, vomiting. Seems like she's blacked out in bed. She's gross. Yeah. She's literally. Crazy. There's someone that gets in her room. Is in their and bed. There's two people. There's someone underneath the blanket yeah. and like touching her, touching her, eating her out, something, and she's yeah. enjoying it because she's in her sleep, knocked out. But it wakes her up, and then she realizes, like, I'm being raped. Yeah, what the fuck is happening? So because of that, because of that contrast of 2006 to 74, 74 probably is a lot more afraid to show something like that, right? Because sure. it's the 70s. But I really think something happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. I, uh, and pick it up and on the times, the right? Yeah, oh, fellatio. Like exactly yeah. with everyone missing <laughs> yeah. children. Yeah, yeah, she said fellatio. Yeah. Missing children, and you know, a lot of those children that are missing are young females. And um, not only that, but the POV shot of Billy going into the room in the '74 version in Barb's room, and really yep. just like watching her in bed, and like, and all that sexual tension. It's 100%. just 100. I feel and, like it's very insinuated. And it, 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 it's <laughs> interesting too if you bring up the 2006 version. Uh, because before that scene where she goes to bed, uh, we see Agnes underneath the, the floor and she moves the tile so she could see her showering. Right. Yeah. yeah. So and, and granted, like Agnes probably doesn't know any better because all she knows is like pretty much what she's seen from her family. Correct. So and her like orf- orf- or foster home, yeah, not foster or, home, but like orphanage. Orphanage. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, what I think was like it was like creepy in the 06 version when Agnes is peeping through a... That was actually the coolest scene to me. Yeah, it's cool. What I think takes it to a whole other level because like we've seen peeping showering scenes before and this is such a small, small thing but I think what's so creepy is that there's like this big moment for Agnes, at least it feels like for me when um, the girl showering puts her towel on like, okay, you can't see anything anymore, Agnes, but the girl walks directly over, over it. the yeah. tile hole and Agnes could look straight up and Agnes reacts by like screaming yeah. off. Yeah. It's and it's Which was super creepy. Yeah. And she did it fast. Yeah. Uh, it was nuts. Um, the man is still around uh, peeking in, uh, in from outside the door. However, Jess leaves Barb because she can hear car- uh, carols from children outside she opens the door to get a better listen and and pay them a little tip for their singing efforts um i was <laughs> I put here i was like y'all remember carolyn oh hell yeah oh dude i don't <laughs> that, that did not happen in my neighborhood i think i did it <laughs> i actually sang before no fucking way not anymore obviously mm-hmm. my voice you know that's fair. <laughs> uh, uh, the killer is still prowling outside upstairs, choosing which room he would like to go to next. He chooses Barb's room and moves towards that unicorn crystal, hovering over her body and whispering something unintelligible. We get a great glimpse of just the left side of his face holding the crystal over his head. And this is also in the poster too, right? Where Correct. you just see yeah, like yeah. the left portion of his eye. That's so it. good. Um, the filming techniques in this movie in general is way up, like ahead of its time. It's genius. Um, Barb wakes up, but he repeatedly takes multiple stabs at her, while um, all while the kids were caroling outside. Savage. Dude, 
where it just cuts Savage. back and forth. I love it. Such dude. a good scene. Savage, and you hear her screaming, but you hear the ki- the kids carol louder when she is screaming. Right, like right? that was God. It was so cool. Um, a lady runs up the porch and tells the carol- carolers uh, to get back into the car immediately. The phone begins to ring for both the cops and Jess. Uh, she runs inside to answer it. Um, it is the man whining and somebody yelling, stop it, which sounds just like uh, uh, Barb. Barb. Yeah. It sounds like Barb is yelling. Um, and I put here so many different voices um, on the phone, and this still is chilling. Uh, the person on the other end uh, hangs up th- hangs up this time instead of uh, Jess hanging up. Um, it immediately rings again, but it is Fuller letting her know that they that they need to keep him on the phone longer. He ends the call because there there is an officer coming. Uh, there is officer coming who has been shot uh, coming into the station once again. Comedic Come relief. relief. Shot in the booty. Shot in the booty. Uh, got shot right in the butt cheeks. Now you picked this out with your teeth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Next time I'll shove my shotgun up your ass oh, sideways. My. Oh my god. I was like, Damn. Jesus Christ. How funny. And then I was like, sure, don't take this dude to the hospital. It's the fucking seventies. <laughs> It turns out that he was shot by someone who felt that felt like he was trespassing on his property. Once again, it must be nice to be white. And I put here good comedic relief. Um, Jess wakes up, uh, wakes up Phil, but we see them walking down the hall from from that suspect position inside of a closet, and it's still that one shot from when she woke her up. Right. Jess is definitely getting spooked at this point. The phone starts to ring, but it is Peter crying on the other end, and. This still feels kind of jarring. Yeah, it does. Like, sure. Because at the same time, they don't have caller ID. So she kind of thought it was it was the other guy until she kind of heard Peter start to talk. Again, at this point, I think the movie's saying, like, it's it's no secret at this point. We want you to know it's Peter. It's Peter, right. Right. Uh, Jess is trying to ask him where he is, um, but he all... Um, he keeps he keeps talking about the baby. He keeps saying it over and over again. I don't want you to abort the baby. I want the baby and all this other stuff. He's unstable. He's unstable. Oh, for sure. Once again, they weren't able to trace the call because it uh, it was not long enough. Fuller calls back to ask what that conversation was about. She lets him know that he, uh, she is pregnant, um, and Phil is right next to her at this point in time too, right? And Phil is kind of. Not shocked, but just like whoa. <laughs> right. I think because they got some, some because they got that tension going, love going on. Oh yeah. man, David wants this to be a reality. <laughs> like, just, like he I, wants this to come to fruition. I just think if there's how many girls are there in the sorority house? Like uh, it was a lot. Like close to eight. Yeah, there's a few, uh, no a few way of that oh, come like on, at yeah. least forty percent of them. Forty percent, damn, that's a high percentage. With, down with no, snook, not at all, dude. Cookie. It's all about the snook. <laughs> I think, I think, I think um, a, li- a lot of people underestimate how often people sway both ways or the other. Yeah, way. Especially, especially if they're in a house with the same sex for yeah. a, a, a long period of time, right? Exactly. Um, so. Uh, Fuller asks if Peter was in the house any time during them receiving any of these phone calls. She lets him know that he was he, he was here uh, during the first phone call um, and that it could not be him since he, he was in the house during one of those phone calls. While she is saying this, we get the shadow of someone walking behind Phil. Fuller is not happy with the idea of Peter at all, but he thinks that he thinks that he is somehow involved. They hang up, but Fuller is about to... Is, uh, Fuller is about to have some cops knock on some doors to uh, ask more questions about uh, Peter. Yeah. Cut back to the house and Phil is asking 
is asking her how many aspirins she would want, she would like. She says two. As soon as she leaves the kitchen, there's a man with a big with big goofy glasses looking into the house. Phil starts to scream uh, for Jess. Jess goes to the back door to check to see who who these people are, um, and they are a search party. And I put here, yeah, I wouldn't open a door for a guy who's holding a gun. Yeah, yeah, for I, sure. What seventies? The fucking seventies. It's so weird. Like it's so weird. And it's, yeah, it's so weird. I don't even think my family would have done this in the seventies. If Chase no. also want to hold a gun, they'd be like, these people are nah, white. Dude. That's why. True that. True that. True that. Uh, <laughs> Fuller. Fuller wants all records of Peter. Um, and I put, I was like, yeah, let's get this creep. <laughs> Phil makes sure all the doors and windows are locked. She knocks on the door to Barb's room and she's, and to see if she is awake, she goes into the room and to call and call for her. The door begins to close and slams shut on Phil cuts a fuller going to the piano, com- uh, conservation. And we see that the piano is all smashed up back with Jess looking for Phil, but interrupted when the phone starts to ring yet again, Jess answers. And it is multiple is the multiple voices again. This time we, we see a little more from his perspective on how the call is going down. We see his phone this time. Uh, We don't see him holding the phone. The phone's on the table, right? Mm -hmm. He's just kind of like talking to it. Um, Constant screaming of where's the baby and Billy. Uh, Graham is working hard at this point, trying to figure out where this call is coming from. Fuller is informed that the call has happened once again. Graham found where the call is coming from. Fuller is running back to the cop car to listen to this crazy ass phone call that's currently going on. Graham shares the location. They hang up. Fuller gets a ping on the walkie to let him know that the call is coming from 6 Belmont Street. The Same exact house. house. I loved these scenes where they're like running around and showing the technology of like tracing the call. Yeah. It just created another sense of like suspense that exactly. you don't get these days. What I loved is that it's it's older technology, right? Yeah, it's because if 70s. you see like tracing a call nowadays, you just see a computer screen. They're like, yeah. oh, it's located in the section. It's located in the city. Yeah. It was nuts. Or here's like they're running around. Yeah, and they're yeah. doing everything it's, manually. It still looked like he had to like pinpoint and listen. Like, like okay, is this the where it's ringing from or whatever? And then then Correct. he plugged yeah. in. You see a bunch of double checks that are like on the line exactly to find the right location. And Man, back then sick. they like probably it. weren't thinking like, oh yeah, this is gonna be like such a big deal later no. in life it's like no looking back no, retrospectively it's like oh my god that's what they had so to do so it, it, yeah very much so uh the call is coming from inside the house and uh even to this day i still get chills like this is kind of like when the stranger calls and all this whole other stuff yeah um that's where it got famous the call is coming from inside the house. Get I, out of the house. I just love how the detective's like, no, you idiot. That's where it's going to. I know. And I'm like, oh, I was like, yeah, I, I, I love that part. Can't even uh, fathom it. Fuller is, is calling for the officer outside of the house. His, and when he gets to the closer to the car or no, excuse me, when we pan to the car, his throat is actually slit. Um, and to be 100% honest, I think Peter did this. What? Because no. Peter wants to get inside the house again. He does. But that's the thing. Peter wants to that's get inside the house. That's a good point. Billy's still in the house. Why would Billy leave out of the house and do all that work oh, just to go back man. in? Yeah, you're I right. I think it was Peter. And you know what? Because Peter was trying to get back into the house 
to get back to her. Oh, you're so right. This dude is unstable. He did do he that. Is, and he, yeah. He, we'll talk about it later, but he, he comes back. He does. He does come back. Uh, Fuller tells Nash to call the house to let Jess know that she, she should is. wait outside for uh, for, <laughs> oh for Fuller God. for him. Um, but not to mention that the call is coming from inside the house. Um, this guy's dumb. The guy that oh is giving the instructions. God. Oh, for sure. God damn it. Yeah, th- this is... Position, we'll, position, we'll, we'll get to this. Yeah. Uh, back with Jess. Back with Jess, and she is freaking out, rightfully so. Calling for Phil. The phone rings, um, and it is Nash. Nash ask her, ask her if she is go if she is alone in the house. And by Nash, it's Officer Nash. Excuse me. Um, Nash is, uh, ask her if she's alone in the house. She lets she lets him know that Barb and Phil are upstairs asleep. He tells her to put the phone down on the hook to go outside. She is wondering what is going on, but Nash says to just listen to her. She complies. Uh, oh, just listen to him. Excuse me. She complies, but wants to get Phil and Barb too. Nash loses it at this point. Yeah, it was like for no reason, for no reason, um, and yells at her to not do this and to just get out of the house. now Jess is, is quiet for a few seconds for a few seconds. Um, before he proceeds to just spill the beans and say that the call's coming from inside the house, Nancy. Or, not Nancy, sorry. <laughs> Jess. Um, thinking of Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, Jess looks at the stairs but starts heading for the door. Uh, she yells for both Phil and Barb to answer her, but no answer. And I put here, finally, some actual real emotion from this girl. Oh, for sure. Because we did not get it. Oh, yeah, we did. Every time she answered the phone and I was said, just, hello? Yeah. <laughs> I felt the dread in her screams of yelling yeah. those names out loud. Yeah, that was perfect. Great. She did a great job. Let me job. ask you guys this, because when I watched this scene, I was like, I got to ask the boys. Yeah. What would you do in this situation? Would you be like, I got to go up for my sisters? Nah, y'all, I'm out. Yeah, same. I would be like, what, am, out, bro. what am I going to do? I mean, all, bro, all, like no, it's done. I think okay. I, <laughs> Depends. If I think they're alive, I'd probably try. If to I do was something. her, I'd, I'd be like, though. "What am I gonna do?" I wouldn't scream their fucking names. Yeah, like she I would arm myself. Not and try ready to see. for this. Like even arming herself, she arms herself. Right, audience. She grabs yeah. a little chimney spike, a fireplace spike, whatever they're called. Oh, oh, chimney, uh, chimney Stoker, chimney Stoker. Yeah, yeah. such a good move. That yeah. was perfect. Like, oh, the, the zoom. Yeah, yeah. It just it was. Perfect. But she knows she's not gonna do anything. She's fucking terrified. Of course. I'm like. You're not gonna do anything. Just she leave. So here's the beauty. Behind, here's the beauty behind this scene. Um, either way, if she would have gone outside or stayed inside the house, she would have been screwed. Peter. Peter. And on top of that, Fuck. the cop. She would have went outside and probably went straight to that cop's car and noticed that his throat was slit. Peter. Then she would have probably just ran back in the house at that point That's in time. A good point. Damn. So it's just like either way, this was a perfect but situation. You think Peter would have hurt her. One hundred percent. One hundred percent, because uh, like I, I've killing the baby too. Yeah, I don't think he, I don't. At that point, I don't think he cared. This dude's unstable. He clearly. didn't really uh, want the baby. He I mean, wanted to trap her. Yeah, and he slit someone's throat. Yeah, That's true. Like I, I like I don't know. Um, yeah, crazy. Instead of just getting the fuck out of there, um, she grabs a fire poker and heads upstairs. And I put here, I love the camera shift to her POV, and it's a lot of shaking while going up the stairs, right? With that, yeah, ca- with that, uh, cool. That's uh, Stoker. Uh, Jess heads straight to Barb's door. It is stuck, and she burst and uh, she bursts the door open. Both Barb and Phil are on the bed, dead. Through the crack of the door, she uh, you see a reddish eye look back at Jess, so saying, "It's me." Billy. This was the best scene in the movie. So fucking good, um, dude. Man, so I, when I saw this, I was like, that looks so creepy. It doesn't look so cheesy with the good. 70s. 
um, going back to when Barb was getting stabbed, it mm. shows a similar shot. Yes. Of, when he's uh, holding it above Billy. his head. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And Just Billy's about to stab. And you see some some long blonde hair. And then again, I think the movie's going, it's, it's Peter. Peter. But, but Peter has blue eyes. Yeah. And then when this shot, when you see Billy's eye through the crack of the door, I'm like, oh, it's all red. I mean, does that mean it's not? And I don't know. I just, I thought this scene was great because it was so, this is the thing with slasher films. Um, I I think it's hard to make a human scary. And at this point, we were perceived with the notion that this slasher is human. Right. Um, but at this point, like this person look human. lives in the shadows. Dude. Like, woo! It was creepy. It was done so, so well. So Man, good. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, Which I, I think they did a pretty good job of not making him human in the 2006 version. Yeah, they like they, they, had, they like, gave him the, the liver disease to turn turn his pigment yellow. That he got stuck in the attic, so he like crawls right. in the hall, like the ceiling and the walls. Oh, and God, shit. but that scene looked so bad in 2006 when they showed the baby. In oh, yellow, yeah, and it was yeah. just like, oh yeah, it reminded so me of uh, Sin City a little was, bit. It yeah, was, it reminded me of Sin City a lot. Like yeah. it was like way, it's way, like place, way over the top way, yellow. Where it's not like comic book. Yeah, and that disease doesn't make you that yellow. Correct. Like that disease doesn't make you like it. it <laughs> like, made you more of how yellow, he yellow. looked when he was older. That's Correct. how that disease really truly looks. Like you, you have the pigment of something yellow, um, but. How disgusting in the 2006 version was it when he was eating that chicken? Oh, uh, in the beginning, oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah. the jail, and like you see his teeth and his yeah. mouth, and it's just like, like there's a lot of moments in the 06 movie where I just kind of turned away. I was eating for a portion of watching that movie too. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. you yeah. watch it during lunch, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 movie is is definitely. Yeah. Uh, not a, I wouldn't say a rough one to watch. The kills are kind of whatever because like they're so fantastical and um, like over the top, over the top. Like with the, with the sound effects when you're pulling the eyeballs out and all yeah, that stuff, yeah. and it's like, whoosh, I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't like the design of uh, Billy, Billy and Agnes I in hated the 06 it. one. I, I, just, hated I felt it. like it's kind of trying to be like a Halloween knockoff, and yeah. I don't know. It just. It just felt lame. Like it, yeah. yeah, it felt no, cheesy. Yeah, it felt super cheesy. Not in a good and way. the comedic it's relief like we didn't care about making a good movie. Just yeah. more of a action we cash horror. In on like, this. look yeah. how much gore we can get away with. Exactly. And yeah. like, the honestly, the comic relief that was in that movie was Mrs. Mac, also yeah. Phil, yeah. in 1974 True. version. But like, you had to a comic be a relief. black Christmas fan to, to like really that. see that. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's a lot of the 06 version. It's she like, was wearing glasses in the 1970s version, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> and the 06 version is like, this is we're going to make all these callbacks for the people that watch the 74 version, mm-hmm. right? Um, but in it would have con- been a better callback if he w- if the person would have killed her the same way she died in the right? I think. In contrast to 06 and 74, where Billy's design in 74, when you didn't even see it, was so, it was so bright. great. Yes. So well, in 06, so it was just so bad in face. and in your face. Yeah, yeah, they showed us the killer through and through. Like, it was just more so in the 1970s version or 1974 version, is uh, it was more so just like, who's Billy? Yeah. And yeah. in the 2006 mystery, version, man. it just gave us the lore behind Billy. I didn't like the lore. I just liked the fact that they gave us a lore. Yeah, I Correct. Agree. Yeah. Um, just because it, 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 it put, it humanized Billy. Yeah. When they gave us the lore. Um, but the lore just was shitty. 
Yeah, it just like, this it was is not. Up. Yeah, it this sucked. is not a good lore. It, it's just it's really bad. Like him getting raped by his mom yeah. and his sister's actually his daughter, and it's just. It's, I think it builds something up for right. fans of the original movie to give them a reason to go and watch it to get more right. out of the story. Well, most yeah. people, even too though, with Black Christmas, the 2006 version, don't know that that was a remake. Yeah, and I'm sure a That's lot of true. people didn't. I, yeah. I wouldn't have known if I watched it in 2006. I didn't, I didn't know. know. I didn't know when I first watched the 2006 one. Um, and I remember vividly the 2006 one because I was in high school when that came out, and I yeah. thought it was the coolest fucking thing. Really, back in high well high school. <laughs> um, and like my brother, like I told him, I was like, "Have you seen Black Christmas?" Blah blah blah. He was like, "The 1970s movie." Uh, I was like, "There's a 1970s version." He was yeah. like, "Yeah, I'm gonna send you the DVD." My brother lived in Tennessee at the right. time. I got it. And he sent me the DVD, and I was like, "Oh fuck, this is so much better." <laughs> like the the suspense yeah. is just like it's there, and I was like, this, "Now this is filmmaking." Well, really quick on that yeah. note of suspense, like the the seventy four version, what made Billy so much better was the suspense of not knowing what Billy looked like, exactly. and as humans, we build up in our mind what that Images, is, yeah. Or sure. even if we can't, the fear of the unknown. Oh, yeah. yeah. That, that, that played very Something well. Something that with could it. elude and keep in the yeah, shadows. Because and... they didn't show us. We didn't know who it was. It could True. be the boyfriend. It could be someone else. It could be the cop. Yeah. Who knows? Right. But it gave us enough. It could be anyone. It yeah. gave us gave enough us to yeah. know when it was him. Oh, so yeah. good. Jess doesn't care uh, and give him a chance at all, and she just immediately slams the door on him. Yeah. Just like right on him, just pushed it. I was like, "This is awesome!" Like she, she like had cojones for sure. She runs straight downstairs while you hear uh, the man mm-hmm. screaming upstairs. Jess is trying to trying to get out of the front door, but is running out of time um, and starts running for the kitchen instead. Not before Billy grabs her hair and pulls her down. And uh, God, this is just great fight scene. This is perfect. Uh, Jess continues running, but uh, goes into the basement to and lock the door with a latch. Uh, this is and I put here. This is awesome because it's his screaming is uh, just mani- like like a maniac. Like oh, he's, yeah, he's crazy. just, just it, banging on the door. Yeah, banging on the door. Like and honestly, like the, the way I pictured it, even though you can't see him, I pictured him like not banging on the door with his hand, but with his head. Interesting. Like I just that's how I pictured it in my head because like, like a wild animal, right? Just in. just trying to get in, kind of like World War Z, like yeah. how they would just bang on the glass with their head. Like that's what it felt like to me. Um, but all of a sudden, the screaming and the banging just stops. Jess goes down further in the basement, seemingly looking for a way out. We cut to the cops driving down the street, trying to get over to Jess. Back in the basement, we hear someone outside of the window and uh, walking. Someone is trying to look uh, look into the window to see if they can see Jess. She goes underneath the stairs, and we notice that it's Peter outside calling for her. Um, he breaks the window to the basement <laughs> and comes in. Uh, Peter is walking around looking for Jess and calling for her. And uh, I was like, I put here, this fucking creep spots her and son of a bitch. (laughs) (laughs) It starts going towards her uh, slowly. The cops finally make it and hear screaming from Jess from inside the house. They burst down the door to the basement and start looking for Jess. We find a dead Peter on the lap of a knocked out Jess. Um, and I put here, I was like, yeah, she won. She beat his ass. <laughs> um, or did she? Yeah. So <laughs> when he was in there and going up to her, like, I was like, this dude is unstable. Like, is it not weird that the girl that you were sleeping with is just, like, afraid of you and hiding in the basement and you're just walking up like it's no big deal? Yeah. And, and the, fact like, that, oh, for sure. the fact that he broke in through the, the glass basement. 
Yeah. Like he he right off the bat didn't and this this goes back to what David was um saying earlier is that Peter or excuse me Billy banging on the door banging stops someone's outside breaking on the glass again to the basement. So obviously we know that Peter and Billy are two different people. But because we get we get the scene at the at the very end we'll oh, talk about. Sure, yeah. But um but here's the thing that makes it really creepy is that Peter was probably going to break in regardless. Oh for sure. Yeah. And that was the that's the scary part. It's just like like because he tried to call her frantically, right? I mean he was crying on the phone and not uh, not apologizing, Correct. just more so worrying like, about the baby. Even if there was no killer in this movie, there was going to be a killer exactly. in this movie. Exactly. Yeah. And that's Which why I that's thought. why I think Peter did what he did to the cop outside. Yeah. And that's why I believe it was Peter who did that, not Billy. Damn. And clearly you know Billy didn't come for Peter because Jess would be right. dead too. Jess clearly had to defend herself. Exactly. And yeah. there was a struggle. And right. that's probably why she was kind of unconscious. Exactly. Um I put here. I was like, she beat his ass. Even if he if he's not the killer, uh, he's the killer to me. <laughs> we transition back to Jess in a bed, still knocked out with a doctor, um, uh, Fuller, Mister Harrison, and some other dude. I don't know who the other guy was. Uh, you can hear reporters outside of the house. Another officer lets lets them know that they are pretty much finished. Fuller goes to talk to the reporters. Um, hilariously, Mr. Harrison passes out from all of this. Uh, he does pass out so funny. Like, he's yeah. like, he's like, oh, that was so <laughs> it was so random. Yeah. Um, I think he, I think it was just like, he realized like, okay, my daughter's dead. Yeah. I like, wonder even, what even though it. they didn't find her, like, I think he still was just like, my daughter's dead. I wonder why in that moment yeah. I, I try to pick it up, but I just couldn't. Well, it was because they said that, uh, they, said like this is it this is all we found uh we're done here yeah right. they didn't find the daughter they didn't find uh mrs mack and that was it why did they check the fucking attic yeah, right i, I know. don't know but they didn't <laughs> that's a continuous thing throughout the whole movie kind of <laughs> the authorities being faced with so many red flags in front of their face but they can't yeah. catch it and exactly. even when they go to authorities and be like oh it's probably nothing right it's right. like a constant thing right Throughout this whole movie, up till the very end, the very last shot. Oh yeah, the doctor and the other dude pick pick him up to take him downstairs to get him to a hospital. Um, but they just leave Jess. Yeah, they didn't take her to the hospital. God, they just leave Jess knocked out in a crime scene. In a crime scene. So one guy gets knocked out, takes takes that person to the hospital. She's knocked out. We'll put her. In her we'll bed. put her in her bed. The we'll 70s. just keep her here. Makes the seventies. I mean, this, but this actually, this is funny that David even just said the 70s right now. Yeah. I mean, this just goes to show the type of treatment that women got. Yeah. Right? It was just like, oh, sure. no, this man passed out now. Yeah. Oh, we got to take care of him. Let's let's get him out. Let's get him out of here. And let's take him to the hospital immediately. Not even giving a shit about Jess. Like, this This goes back to the that, that whole thing when women uh, accuse people of raping them and touching That's them true. inappropriately. Uh and how cops kind of brush it off, mm-hmm. which is like, well, what were you wearing? Yeah, yeah. It's well, terrible. you you were asking for it, and, and it's, it's still a like, problem it's today. It's not it's just a problem sure. in the seventies. Exactly, it's, it's a problem. This that's... is still happening today, yeah. and it needs to stop. Um, now, Jess is all alone in her room. A cop turns off the light in her room. 
and every everyone has left the house. It's just like, oh, fuck this bitch. <laughs> we pan to the right, uh, looking at Barb's room, and you see her bloody mattress. Then we pan to Claire's room and slowly move the camera to the attic. And then I said, how did these motherfuckers not check the whole damn house? We go into the attic and we still see Mrs. Mac and Claire both dead up there with the whispers of Billy. We pan to the outside of the house with a cop standing on the porch smoking a cigarette. And then we hear the phone ringing louder and louder while the credits scroll. Good ending. I love so this, good. dude. I love so this. Uh, the it, whole panic shot was great. It was fantastic. From room to room to attic. Fantastic. Damn. And I feel like with horror so movies, good. the the closing scenes and the closing shots are probably the weakest. 100%. Um, but this ended so strongly. 100%. Uh, so I've got a couple of facts here for both 2006 and 1974. We're going to start with 2006. Um Glenn Morgan, the director of uh, 2006's Black Christmas, approached Mary Elizabeth Winstead about the movie at 4 a.m. in an airport right after she was done filming Final Destination 3. After being hesitant at first, um, only after just finishing a horror movie, she agreed to the role of Heather because she is a fan of the 1974 version. Mm. So she ruined it. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) She's a good actress, though. Now she is. Now she is. Uh, Amanda Seyfried actually auditioned to the lead role for Kelly, but lost to Katie Cassidy, also known as the modern Scream Queen, um, because Katie Cassidy was in multiple horror films during the early 2000s, or the 2000s decade. She was in that new Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, she she was just in so much. She was in too much. Uh, the filmmakers stated that they turned her down, that they didn't want two Mean Girls, because Mean Girls came out in 2004, uh, actresses, yep, Seyfried and Lacey Chabert, uh, to star in the film, which I, I don't blame them. Like I, yeah, I get yeah. that. I, I think I would have been interested to see them in it. It would have been. It would have been interesting. Yeah. Um. I mean, hey, Amanda Seyfried. She did a fantastic horror debut with Jennifer's Body. So That's let's true. be real. Uh, fucking sleeper. Um. During one of the famous leg lamp scenes from A Christmas Story in 1983, can be seen in the background. This may be a reference to Bob Clark, the director of the original Black Christmas, who also directed A Christmas Story. Um. Oh, wow. The film was shot in Canada in 29 days. Yeah, it shows. 29 days. (laughs) (laughs) It shows. Uh, The hospital at the end of the film is the same hospital used in the show Supernatural, also starring Katie Cassidy. Hmm. Once again, there you go. Scream Queen, modern, telling you. Um, (laughs) Last one here. Uh, Glenn Morgan was good friends with Bob Clark, who directed the original Black Christmas. He received his blessing to direct the film and remained on set as executive producer. Clark managed to watch the remake before he passed away. Oh. Thought that was a good one to uh, lead out there, but let's get to the real one. Uh, so this is where you kind of... We're now switching over to the 1974 Black Christmas uh, for some, a little bit of trivia here. Well, not, not trivia, but facts. Uh, the fun ri- facts. <laughs> yeah, fun facts. Movie fact. Uh, movie fact. The original title of the film's script was Stop Me. It was direct- director... It was director Bob Clark who came up with the title Black Christmas instead, saying that he liked the irony of something dark occurring during a very uh, such a festive holiday. 
I was really <clears throat> curious about the title and why it was called Black Christmas, and yeah, I'm glad there's an explanation for that. Seriously. It's like the counter out of the song White Christmas. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, NBC scheduled this film for its primetime network debut on January 28th, 1978, under the title Stranger in the House. On January 15th, 1978, two female students at Florida State University were murdered by an assailant who broke into the sorority house where they lived. Three other young women in the in the immediate vicinity were attacked and assaulted. NBC received numerous pleas from locals to pull the movie from broadcast in light of the crimes, and after first stating that they would offer the local uh, affiliates an alternate movie to broadcast, they decided to just pull the plug on the movie altogether. Instead, the film Doc Savage, Man of Bronze, was shown. NBC instead ran Stranger in the House as a late movie on May 14th, the same year the perpetrator of, of the of the crimes at florida state university was later identified as the serial killer ted bundy wow <laughs> crazy wow i was just ted like bundy. mouth oh, open jaw <laughs> dropped the whole time you were saying all of that yeah. wow yeah. and <laughs> that's kind of shocked too that this movie was aired on tv mm-hmm Yep. Uh, the film is regarded as being one of the first slasher films with Texas Chainsaw Massacre in 1974, A Bay of Blood 1971, Psycho 1960, and Peeping Tom 1960 preceding the film. It set the layout for films such as John Carpenter's Halloween of 1978. However, director Bob Clark considered it to be more of a psychological horror film than an actual slasher film. Shout out to Psycho. I love yeah. that movie. Oh, Psycho's great. But uh, yeah, I, I totally see it as like a psychological thriller for sure, especially 100%. with all the phone calls and all that. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, it's just phone calls, but it just, it messes That's with you. That's the thing you. that really messed you up the yeah. most, I would say. Seriously. Uh, despite the ominous themes and plot, Olivia Hussey reassured that the set was a very light and happy place between takes, stating everyone got along with each other very well. She did, however, admit that Margot Kid, uh, Kidder was rather distant from the cast slash crew during filming. Margot uh, Margo, uh, Kidder was the main main chick. Mm. Uh, yeah, I believe that was her. Upon initial release in the U.S., uh, the film's title was changed to Silent Night, Evil Night, because the American <laughs> distributor feared that the title Black Christmas might cause the film to be mistaken for a black exploitation flick. However, the film didn't do well under the new title and was changed back to the original title, uh, which had a lot more success. <laughs> I'm really shocked to hear That's all weird. these title changes. Yeah. I didn't know that was a thing that happened. Oh, oh yeah, it happened a lot. Um this is, this is a great one here. None of the actors portraying teenagers in the film actually are in their teens. In fact, yeah. the oldest actor uh, portrayed a college student was Keir Dulia, who was actually 38. Um, Lynn Griffin and Olivia Hussey were the youngest actors set at 22 and 23. That's common. <laughs> I think it shows. Very common. Oh, yeah, it they definitely all, shows. They, they yeah, look very older. Very mature. Very much so. Um the film managed to gross four million and five and fifty three thousand dollars um, on a relatively small budget of six hundred and twenty thousand dollars at the box office, but to, in today's standard, that elates to twenty one million dollars on a three million dollar budget. Nice, not bad, well deserved. Which uh, would mean that the film grows seven times its budget, turning it into a profit. Well deserved. God damn it! Uh, let me find the last one here. Uh, last one. Although the film's original title was Silent Night, Evil Night, it shares no connection to Silent Night, Deadly Night, 1984 film. Another Christmas horror movie on any of its or any of its sequels. Another sim, uh, similarity titled film called Silent Night, Bloody Night, 1972. 
also has no relation to the film. <laughs> Creativity. <laughs> Creativity. Um, actually, one more. This, this is actually an interesting one. The entire cast was filled with horror movie veterans or, or soon-to-be stars of the genre. Olivia Hussey would star in two horror classics, this movie and It. 1990, mm. uh, and the TV mini, uh, the TV miniseries by Stephen King. John Saxon would start in this uh, in this and a Nightmare on Elm Street, another horror classic, playing a cop in both. Art Hinkle would star in this an Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Margot Kidder had just starred in Brian De Palma's Sisters, which is also another really good film. Uh, before she starred in this, and would later star in the Amityville Horror of oh. 1979. Good stuff. Fuck Man, yes, it it's crazy. Is. It uh, I enjoy the fuck out of this movie. 1974. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm happy I found out about it. Honestly, going into it, I was like, "Damn, this is from the 70s. It probably didn't age well. It's probably gonna be really cheesy <laughs> it and aged dumb." Perfectly. And I was aged like fine wine. I feel like I say this every week. I was really impressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's super impressive. I. Uh, it's ahead of its time. 100%. Yeah. This movie really just kind of uh, just takes the reins in a slasher film and really knows how to control its camera mm-hmm. perfectly. And yes. I feel like this is why slasher movies don't work as well anymore because we don't get that suspense that we used to. Um, but a slasher movie that did great with this is Scream, right? Yeah. I love Scream. Like Scream does so perfect like- with this. I related it so much to Scream. Yeah, so yeah, much. you get a lot of correlations from Scream in this, yeah. um, and Scream did great. It, it, it's it, it, the thing that Scream had was the fact that it was super meta, and mm-hmm. it understood what it was going for. Yeah, oh, like it, it, Scream is just perfect. You know, I only saw Scream within like the last four years, wow. three to four years. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty really? Crazy. And as not knowing really anything about it besides the iconic mask, like, yeah. I was like, wow, this movie's amazing. <laughs> it's really, really good. <laughs> yeah. This is such a I would have to say, here. this movie, I feel like, is not as well polished, but I put it in the same caliber as, like, Halloween, Alien, The Thing. Which one? like, this movie. Oh, oh, Black yeah, Christmas. Black Christmas, the 1974 version, yeah, obviously. Of course. But I put them, like, up to that standard of, like, this is way ahead of its time. They did a really good job filmmaking it. Acting could have been a little bit better. Of course. Some transitions. I didn't like too much POV yeah, shots. So, so, some of them had like... Impressive. Yeah, some see. of them had some definitely strange cross dissolves. But I mean, it's the 1970s, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, this is this this was huge it did for that stuff. great for its time. It was yeah, fantastic. like Stanley Kubrick great at yeah. that time. At that time, for yeah. sure. I completely agree. And honestly, this paved the way for a lot of horror movies, I oh, feel like. Oh, for sure. Uh, this is definitely a note-taking type of horror film. <laughs> yeah. You could study this in the film class, for sure. 100%. 100%. Easily. So, let us know what you thought about Black Christmas. Bob Clark's more specifically. Uh, but if you want to give us Glenn Morgan's version, sure. We'll listen to you, too. Uh, but you could uh, go ahead and let us know what you feel about this movie over at Good Night Life on Twitter. Uh, feel free to just start posting that in there and also our next movie that we're going to be uh watching will be better watch out uh this is a fun one you can actually get this on shutter if you have a shutter subscription if you do not have a shutter Shutter subscription you can sign up for one as a seven day trial um and we do not have a promo code because we're not promoted yet but (laughs) we're getting there (laughs) um but this was nightlight 
a horror movie podcast. I was one of your hosts, Prince, also known as Head Knight. Alongside me on my left-hand side here, we had David. Ho-ho, spoop. Ho-ho, spoop. <laughs> Careless Christmas, motherfuckers. <laughs> also known as Nightly. Across from me, we had Freddie. Thanks for tuning in. Stay spooky. <laughs> your voice got better while you it were talking. It was peppermint tea, guys. It was peppermint tea. It works. Tis the season, guys. Tis the season to be pepper. <laughs> also known as Nighty Night. Our efforts to get our show out is not enough. We need your help to spread us out to more ghoulish nights. Rating us five stars is very, very helpful. But we would love for you to recommend this podcast to someone you know who would enjoy it. You can further support the show over at patreon.com forward slash goodnightlife. And that's night with a what? K. Okay. By pledging on Patreon, you will have access to the show as early as Monday. If you don't have any bucks to toss, don't worry. A new episode is released every Friday on most podcast services around the world. And remember, guys, don't forget your nightlife.